Hi there, I'm Zach Braff. And I'm Donald Faison. We're real-life best friends, but we met playing fake-life best friends, Turk and JD, on the sitcom Scrubs. 20 years later, we've decided to re-watch the series one episode at a time and put our memories into a podcast you can listen to at home. We're going to get all our special guest friends like Sarah Chalk, John C. McGinley, Neil Flynn, Judy Reyes. Show creator Bill Lawrence, editors, writers, and even prop masters will tell us about what inspired the series and how we became a family. You can listen to the podcast Fake Doctors, Real Friends with Zach and Donald on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. Support for today's show comes from the Life is Good Ping podcast. Join the co-founders of Life is Good, Bert and John Jacobs, as they talk to influential musicians, athletes, business leaders, and everyday people about the role of optimism in their lives. They'll also end each episode with a ping pong charity challenge, where the winner gets to donate to a charity of their choice. Download the Life is Good Ping podcast now. And they have Ringo Starr in the first episode. Michael Franti from Spearhead, it's a rad podcast. Subscribe now on Stitcher, Spotify, or iTunes, and add some good vibes to your day. Now, here's our show. What's up, everybody? Hello from Detroit, Michigan. I am traveling right now, and you are wherever you're at. Hopefully, maybe you're in Detroit, maybe you're in California, maybe you're in the UK. I have no idea where you are, but welcome. I'm Ray Harkins. We're hanging out on 100 Words or less the podcast. And um, yeah, I hope you're good. I'm, I'm good. I've, I'm energized. I'm very energized because I experienced a awesome weekend of hardcore and independent music and camaraderie and all that stuff. And I also have a great guest this week, Tom Damiano from the band Trail of Lies. If you are not familiar with this awesome hardcore band from Syracuse, you should, uh, you should do yourself a favor. They have some new stuff coming out. Uh, very soon. And uh, they're just a great band, like super heavy, hardcore band. Just, just get into them. Okay. Um, I'll talk about him more in a moment, but I'm here to also tell you, you like band merch, right? You probably own a million black t-shirts. How about you diversify your wardrobe a little bit? How about you go to rockabilia.com, use this code PC Jabberjaw that gets you 10% off of your order. And they have so many things. It's a great company, independently run, run independently run they've got so many items that you will be able to get whatever it is that you were looking for from t-shirts long sleeves hoodies hats posters belts whatever it is you want they've got it and they all have it officially licensed from the bands they get paid royalties no horrible bootlegs you're getting the real deal so thank you very much for your continued support rockabilia i know they were off for a couple weeks but you know i i understand things happen but uh, they're back and i want you to buy their stuff because they're a great company so sound and fury was this past weekend and i was able to attend i went to the have heart pre-show so i was like on a thursday before the friday saturday shindigs i did not get to go on friday but then i went on saturday so a few notes have heart it was special being in that room. Anybody that uh, shares sentiments and has shared it widely because their Boston shows were probably one of the biggest hardcore shows ever to exist as far as like an independent show removed from a festival. Um, you know, I mean, they sold close to 10,000 tickets between two dates, which is absolutely crazy and uh, unbelievable that a band that you know, is considered very impactful within the hardcore scene. But, um, you know, I didn't know that they generated that sort of, uh, fandom from that perspective. And it's just, it's so cool. And it was great to watch them play in front of, I mean, I don't know, it was like 
2,000 people at the Belasco Theater where Sound and Fury was. Um, it just was great. And then obviously they played the next night, which I wasn't there for, but I heard and saw that it was just as incredible. And it's so, uh, yeah, it's so interesting. I have, I had many conversations that weekend with a lot of different people, um, you know, like old, like myself, younger, and just kind of, you know, seeing where it's like, wow, just like almost in awe. And even talking to some of the band members too, that I saw at the festival, I was just like, this, this can't make sense in your head, right? Like, this is just breathtaking. And they, everyone was like, yeah, this is, is overwhelming, but like, is just incredible that we get to witness this and experience this. And that's, that's what I, I experienced as well of just that, that feeling of awe and watching all of these people in this room for this subculture that is like still unequivocally not mainstream, but is, is shared widely on, you know, for the people that care about it. It's just, it's beautiful. So, and sound and fury was awesome as it always is. Um, you know, I, every time sound and fury rolls around, I get sort of post-traumatic stress disorder from the couple of years that myself and, and my friend Joey ran it because it was, it was so all consuming. Like I can't even imagine my life now trying to be planning that amongst, you know, everything else I'm doing, but still just like, Oh my gosh. And even, you know, I was doing this podcast back then too. And I just, yeah, I don't know, man, it was, it was so much. Anyways, I'm glad it is in other people's hands and I can go to the event and enjoy it. See friends, watch amazing bands, got to see so much cool stuff. Despise you saw a little bit of incendiary. Um, I did not see one step closer, but I got into them at the fest and they were, they were so good. A lot of people said very positive things about them. Uh, I got to see drain year of the knife. What else did I see? Uh, inclination, which was something I was very excited about. And it was just a great, great time. It's, um, hardcore shows look different than they did five years ago or 10 years ago. And I just love the fact that it seems like so many different people from so many different walks of life and, uh, are, are attending these things. And it's just, it's awesome to see that. And I really, really am excited. And then the next night I went to see the ghost inside and without making this intro 17 minutes long, that was an unbelievable show as well. I mean, 6,000 people at the shrine auditorium in Los Angeles. This is a band that never thought that they would be able to play a show again after getting in a horrific bus accident that uh, took the lives of two people and severely injured and took the drummer's leg off and just so many, so many things that they had to overcome to get back on stage. It was really emotional and it was so good just watching that in, in real life and being like, wow, I didn't think I was going to be here. And I know they didn't think that they were going to be here. So it was really special and beautiful. So a lot of, lot of great stuff recently. And this chat was great too, because Tom was, was a gem to talk to. And uh, Trail of Lies exists in this very interesting world of being a band, but not really being a band as far as like touring and stuff like that. They're just able to, you know, do some weekends here and there and just keep that fire alive. And it's really cool. And talking to Tom was also a great experience. So here's that because I've, I've been going on too long. So here we are. Here's Tom. I live in Southern California. You know, I'm, I'm a, you know, by all definitions, a, you know, adult that is still into hardcore. I'm 38 years old. Like I should have already been moved out of this thing, but you know, I'm no, not, no, I'm, that's so fucking sick. Like I'm getting, I'm turning 30 this year and I'm like, fuck man. Like I don't ever want to be that guy that just doesn't go like, yeah, I don't know. I live near New York too. So it's like, I see everyone in Brooklyn is like, Oh, like 
youth of today like with the whole like supreme thing you know what i'm talking about like and then they're yep. like yep. oh yeah like they talk shit on hardcore but then they'll go cap a supreme youth of today shirt like <laughs> fuck you i hate that shit <laughs> no i understand um yeah but sorry that's, that's no. so sick that you're still into it no i i appreciate that um but yeah I, I definitely got keyed into you guys when you know you put out war i had already heard the name but you know war was the first thing i really kind of dove into um uh-huh. And, you know, loved, loved the music. And then I actually saw, I saw you guys at program when you played, you know, whatever, last year. Yeah. Legend gig. Great show. So cool. Uh, Um, but you know, not only was I attracted to the band musically, but, um, visually the aesthetics, the way, the way that you guys do your merch and the way that you guys present yourself, like, you know, record layouts and all that sort of stuff is very, you know, distinct and is very not like you know, what most hardcore bands do, even though there is, you know, the traditional like live shot t-shirt or whatever, but there's a lot of stuff that you are borrowing from, you know, streetwear and all that sort of stuff. Yes. Dude. Thank you so much for fucking getting it. <laughs> well, I, like, I, I, I was, some just... people don't get it and they're like, yo, the merch is so boring. Like, all right, go get a fucking regular fucking hardcore shirt. You know, like <laughs> God, right. I work so hard on the aesthetic and like with the merch, the, the web design, the Instagram, like just anything involving the band, even us live, you know, not like, I'm like, Oh, we're the shirt, but like everything about the band is, is programmed, you know? Okay. Well that, that was literally what I was going to ask where it's just like, it seems, <laughs> no, it seems so deliberate. And I don't mean that. Cause like sometimes when people say that it's deliberate, that it feels like it's like this calculated thing grown in the lab or whatever, but it's like, no, I just want to control the way that we are putting ourselves out there. However people perceive it is a different story, but like, I just want to control that. So it sounds like you had this real vision of how you wanted the band to be portrayed. Yeah. Yeah. Like as soon as, are we on there right now? Oh, hell yeah, man. Okay. So basically the lab, when you say the lab and the calculation, it's my fucking insane mind. Like I literally will just drive around like for my job or like on my bicycle and whatever, whatever the fuck I'm doing. And I just like come up with these ideas. I'm like, I kind of think of like, (laughs) I, all right. So for years I hated Kanye. I thought he was insane, stupid. Didn't like his music. Still don't like his music before Pablo, but recently dove into him. Like what? Like a year and a half ago. And I can't get enough. I watch every interview possible known about him. He's a little out there with things, but he is the biggest marketing genius in the world. Him, the, the Kardashian brand in general are the most, to me, the most successful brand out there. And mm-hmm. they know what they're doing too. And people, I think will doubt them, you know, but like they know what they're doing. So I can say that definitely rubs off on me a little bit with things because anything that's out of the box and pushing the envelope really with anything, music, aesthetic, design, everything in general, those are the people that are pro- like progressing the culture behind music, hardcore, whatever like that, you know, like those are the bands are going to stick out. Sure. Like, so that's kind of what we do. Well, I, I mean, I, I appreciate it from the fact of like, I've always been an advocate personally for, um, you know, whatever your influences are as you were growing up, like, you know, you're like, Oh, you, you start your first band. You want to, you know, rip off strife and unbroken or whatever like that, you know, that happens. But then, when you start to introduce outside influences into 
your particular thing you're doing, you know, when you're pulling from all these different worlds where you're like, Oh, I'm into comics or I'm into, like you said, you know, these, these, these icons of, you know, fashion or whatever you're, you start to introduce interesting things that don't normally get viewed through the lens of like yeah. hardcore. So like, I, I see what you're talking about. You're just like, yeah, it's exciting to be able to be like, Oh yeah. It's not just like, yes, I can have a traditional live shot t-shirt, but like, here's this really, you know, interesting, you can maybe make out the fact that this is a band shirt, but at the same time, you might not even know that it's a band shirt. Yeah. Yeah. And like, yeah, you're, you fucking get it. That's so <laughs> sick. So like, and the, like when you say this, like, all right. So like I can name off every person in the band. Like we don't listen to hardcore that much. When we're in writing mode, none of us listen to hardcore. Like we're writing music. Cause to me, it's just, just recycling watered down, watered down hardcore. So why would you do that when it's like, you know, Harry, our drummer will listen to the Beatles. JD will listen to fucking anything. I listen to like pretty much only hip hop, R and B and stuff like that. Our bassist listens to uh, fucking what's those dark. Um, oh, I can never really name it. It's like, fuck. <laughs> uh, I can never, it's like dark shit. It's like dark, like techno, Fucking never knew. He's going to kill me when he hears this. <laughs> um, Depeche Mode. That's it. So he listens to that. Okay. And like Drew listens to like a lot more punk stuff. So like all of us have all of these crazy influences that come in and we write the music together. And obviously it comes out heavy and it's like influenced a lot by me, like with shit like that. But like, it's just so simple. And we just, to me, everything about the band is just simple. People can knock on it being simple. I don't fucking care because every piece of music in the world that's successful and so just great is simple. It's just a couple chords, a couple lines, and it's a fucking song. It's a sure. chorus, verse, verse, chorus. You know, it's just so sick. Yeah. And that's what I believe in for writing music on that aspect. And then with the merch, I can go in on that. Like, for me, less is more with everything. Like, I'm. I wouldn't say I'm huge into fashion. I'm huge into sneakers and like, um, just fashion in general, I guess I want to say like just things that like, kind of, not like mainstream kind of things. I love like just out of the box kind of fashion things. Mm -hmm. So we take a lot of that. And also our basis is a, you know, like prints and also designs merch. So him and I also have like a little side business where we like make merch and print really just any, clothing items for like bands brands businesses stuff like that so like we take all of those influences combined with like you know the hardcore kind of style and we bring that in and it just creates our simple merch and we like to push the envelope with like other different items that other bands aren't doing because okay so this is another huge thing that i'm huge on now that i've been talking to a lot of bands about with tom and i run a, a business called twin tip merch and we make design and print different clothing items. So we do a lot of like fanny packs, backpacks, um, jackets, any high ticket item that you would usually buy from Nike, Adidas, or some streetwear brand. We make those for smaller businesses and bands because people always preach local, but why don't you just support your, your friend's fucking band and get a high quality item so you don't have to like wear like a Nike jacket when you get this jack other jacket that's made by the same people who make nike but it has your friend's logo on it you know 
Totally. Yeah. No, I, I see what you're saying. I just, I think it's, I mean, I think it's cool be the approach that you're taking it because, um, I think a lot of the times, and especially, I mean, I think this probably just comes with age and perspective and you become more, um, attuned to the world and, you know, you're not as like as a 30 year old, you're, you know, less dumb than you were at 20. So like you can kind of put a band like, you know, trail of lies out when you're more of an adult and have a more focused effort rather than like, you know, your dumb punk band when you're 16 years old, where you're just like, whatever, dude, it doesn't even matter. (laughs) Yeah. 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 That's true too. Yeah. And that's like something I try to like, I wonder if people see the difference now that we put out these two songs and how we released it. It wasn't, maybe it wasn't as like diced up and clean cut. Cause also like, I'm going through a lot of things in my life right now, making some like life changes and everyone's so every single person in the band, like I know it sounds weird, but like all of the lyrics in this band, every single member applies to their life. Like every single member is going through a big change in their life right now. And we're all super busy, but we're also like trying to put out songs still, but keep the band interesting. That's why I like, we focus so much on the aesthetic of the band because we, we can't tour, you know, like I have a real job or I'm trying to make a switch with that, you know, like JD's becoming a teacher. Um, you know, a couple people are grounded and can't really grounded to where they are and can't really tour that much. And sure. that's why we focus on more of the things that we can do instead of traveling. And when we do play shows, we try to play fucking just the coolest places we can right. and right. to people that truly fucking appreciate hardcore like i can go on a huge rant with that like it's just it's unreal like well we'll, 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 we'll put a pin in that because I'll, I'll be able to address that a little bit later but um you know yeah. kind, of, kind of focused on you as an individual um i'm gonna kind of presume you were born and raised in like the sort of you know syracuse upstate new york area or uh were you born somewhere else and then ended up there no, so I was born in Syracuse, kind of like right in the city of Syracuse, and then moved out to like this, like when I started school, I was in the suburbs, just like a regular fucking kid. And, um, you know, my parents were like, do you want me to expand on like how I was brought up? Absolutely. Like your, your, yeah. whole, your whole family structure as well, like brothers and sisters and stuff. Yeah. So I got a younger brother. His name's Gary. He's fucking sick. He lives in a, he served in the Air Force and he's fucking hated it. Thank God. And now he's like, going back to school, going to UNC, he's killing it. And my mom and dad, um, raised us. And, uh, my mom didn't really, she kind of like hung out and took care of us and did what she could. And my dad was just always working. Honestly, all they both were just always working. My dad was, was a cable guy and just climbing poles, putting up cable and shit like that. And then every year he would just try to buy a rental property and do that. Like he told me that he was always the guy that would and honestly, I do this too now because I, I do the same things. He wore his work uniform, like, you know, fucking climbing poles and whatever, changing his work truck to go to in a suit to go downtown to evict someone because they're fucking trash his place and all this shit. And then go back in the the van, change back into some other clothes so he can fix up one of his apartments and then not go home till 9 p.m. So like that work ethic like i was brought up with that and saw that and like that's just it's it's a good thing and a bad thing i think for me like i just can't stop working all i want to do is just work, I, I can't yeah. sit still yeah like right. i just want to like it's just so we- yeah like so he does that and then we were brought up uh, my parents got a divorce and it was so like regular and civil where like you know it was just 
fine. And, you know, we had a great childhood. It was so sick. We really, I feel like we were raised very well. I love both my parents so much and that's awesome. They're some of my best friends. Yeah. And no, it's great. I, um, I mean, from just some light Instagram lurking of you, um, you know, I definitely, it, it, it we, anytime people are, you know, proudly proclaiming their parents, you know, online, um, you know, I mean, I mean, most people do that on the traditional, you know, father's day or mother's day sort of scenario, but um, you know, just to be like, Hey, I'm hanging out with my you know mom on vacation or whatever. It's like, Oh yeah, that's good. You, you want to hang out with your family and create those memories and stuff. Yeah. And they really are. They help me out through so many things. And like, we've had like, <laughs> you can go in on this too. Like it's been, I want to say it was rough for a couple of years where basically I was like graduating high school and this other band that I was in was like starting to do stuff. And I was, they really wanted me to go to college and do all this shit. So I listened to what they said and went to a community college fucking hated it was doing so bad and like just while i was in college i was in the i'll never forget it, i was in the computer lab every day booking tours for my band that i wasn't even going to be on because i just wanted the band to be successful sure like hitting up like <laughs> in that time it was like oh god i hate like saying like back in the day but like no it, is, it was yeah. so weird because i was like hitting up people on MySpace and hitting up like Tulsa, Oklahoma, MySpace hardcore, like to like, Hey man, will you book my band that like you probably haven't heard of? It was this band called forfeit. So like we would just like, I don't know. I just email people on MySpace and try to get gigs, book a whole tour, send my band on a tour. And I was like, fuck this. Like I hate it. So like basically convinced i just told my parents i was like i'm dropping out like i can't do this like i'm going on tour there it was like so bad it was just like <laughs> they were they, so angry yeah sure, like, they didn't understand yeah at all yeah they were just like this is you're gonna be so fucked you're not gonna have a future this and that and i was just like i don't know i don't care and like at that point we were gone so much that i didn't really even think of it so yeah. Yeah. And that kind of happened. And I definitely saw, yeah. Cause, uh, I, I knew that someone in trail of lies was in forfeit. I did not know that it was you, but yeah, I de- you guys, I'm fairly certain I saw you at chain reaction once. Um, really on the outbreak tour. Yeah, there it is. There it was, um, that's so sick. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I, I mean, your, your story is definitely uh, a commonplace where people reach that fork in the road moment of like, okay, I got, I got to do real life stuff, but like, I'm also, you know, this band stuff won't ever you know, won't be there forever. So like, you kind of want to do it while you can. And so, yeah, I, I understand your pain. Yeah. And it keeps going. So then the forfeit, like as soon as I quit school, we like tour for a couple of years. Singer wants to do his own thing. Band, band breaks up. I joined naysayer because we toured with them. Naysayer was like the band that I was in for like five or six years. And we just did everything. It was so fun. That was like where I really grew as a person lived in Richmond for a little bit. And like, made met so many people like really that was a band where i met all of my friends and like really grew as a person and then it was so cool we just did some of the coolest things toured with terror af did bus tours with both of them europe blah blah and then kind of just like we all just kind of went our separate ways and like i went back to syracuse did my own thing and then what did i do joined backtrack for a little bit because I thought that's what I wanted to keep doing, just tour all the time. Sure. Did like 
New Zealand, Australia, Southeast Asia, and like all these other cool tours. And then I just realized it wasn't for me. It's like touring was just like a little much. And I felt like I, you know, I had to grow, not grow up, but like start providing and think of a future, you know, cause I it wasn't making any money, you know, went back to school. And, um, that was like when I was truly focused, like, like fucking Dean's list and all this shit, like not to flex, but I was just so that's like, I want to tell everyone that I know that's young to not go directly into college unless you know what you want to do, because there's so much to do out there. And like, how are you going to be 18 or 19 and decide what you want to do for the rest of your life? I think traveling is seriously the best thing you can do. And plus you grow so much as a person and then you go back to school and you're just so much more focused, you know, and you want to be successful. Then, which landed me into Frito-Lay, and that's, I'm a district sales leader there. Like, just basically, I look over, like, the large format and district in uh, Syracuse, and I have, like, a team of salesmen, merchandisers, and I lead them, and it's a good gig for now, but, like, I'm looking for something to be passionate about, so that's the switch that I'm trying to make soon. Today's show is supported by Pet Relief. They make all-natural, USDA-certified organic CBD products for pets using full-spectrum CBD hemp oil that is grown and extracted in Colorado. They offer a ton of products that have something to assist a range of ailments such as hip and joint pain, inflammation, situational anxiety, and more. They offer oils for both cats and dogs that are made with only two ingredients, full-spectrum CBD hemp oil and organic coconut oil. Their supplements are all handmade and baked with human-grade organic ingredients that have been sourced from farms across the United States. And all their products are third-party tested in an effort to be completely transparent. They sent me this stuff. I've been using out my 15-year-old pup, Callie. She's the best, but she's got a lot of problems. I have noticed a difference in her gait, in her walk, because she has some arthritis in her hip, and uh, she loves the stuff. So it's been working magnificently well for my pup, and I imagine it can work for you as well. So go to PetRelief.com and enter the promo code WORDS to get 10% off your order. That's PetRelief, R-E-L-E-A-F.com, and the offer code is WORDS. Do it up. Um, So where, you know, kind of backing up, but where... Uh, I mean, clearly Syracuse is a hardcore town and it's been for many, many years, but like, where was your introduction point, um, to, you know, like more independent minded music rather than just was what was getting played in the radio. So in middle school, I met this kid, Ben Shaw, seriously, one of the coolest, like craziest looking people I met. And it was the first day of earth science in seventh grade. And I saw this kid and he was wearing like slipknot shirts and all these crazy shit. And I was just like, I, I'm never, I just walked up to him. I was like, what's up, man? <laughs> just like, <laughs> I'm not like that. It just looks, he looked so interesting and charismatic. We just started talking, became best friends, convinced me to pick up a guitar. We would just like go to his house and like watch like metal bands and stuff. But then we got into like, we were in the Truskill area, like right at the end of like the locking out phase, sure. beginning of, tr- you know, like kind of in that area. I wish I got right at the beginning of locking out era, but like everyone like tear poison the well every time I die. And then my first show was November 29th, 2003. It was like every time I die poison the well in Syracuse. Sure. And it was so sick. Like one of my first pit didn't know what the fuck I was doing. One time I was moshing. You were just singing along to nerdy dude. That's what you were doing. (laughs) That's literally the mosh part. (laughs) (laughs) So good. I love it. I listen to shit now. I'm like, what was I thinking? (laughs) Well, it's, I mean, there, 
you have to realize though, like that's a, you know, the, not only is that a time and a place band, like, yeah, listening to opposite of December now, like, you know, it'll evoke nostalgic emotions or whatever, but like, you know, you can't be ashamed for that. It's like, dude, that's that way. If you didn't listen to poison the well at that time, like you're an idiot, you were doing something wrong, man. Yeah, that's true. I just hope people aren't like, damn, I was listening to trail lies from when I listened to him 10 years ago on this shot. Now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I mean, I don't think, I mean, I don't, I don't think I could listen to a poison wall record and think it's shot to use your words. But I think it's like those, I mean, cause you know, if you listen to the subsequent poison wall records, like they're, you know, they, they still hold up. Like they're really good. Like tear from the red and everything else past that. It's like, you know, they just kind of turn it into like a more aggressive deftones or whatever. Um, yeah. But like, All right, you know, that makes sense. But that opposite of December, I mean like that just basically turned everybody's head to be like, Oh, I didn't know you could like put melody in like heavy music really. And so, yeah. So that was kind of a a game changer from that perspective. But you know, I don't think, yeah, I mean, 10 years down the road, most, most bands that you listen to, um, you know, probably won't hold up under the same scrutiny that you have when you're listening to it 10 years later, where it's just like, Oh yeah, your tastes change, but you can still listen to it, um, nostalgically and be like, Oh yeah, that like, I understand why I enjoyed that. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. (laughs) So anyways, you were moshing hard and nerdy. Yeah. And then, oh, it's a good story. So like next show I went to, my dad took me to this place somewhere in Watertown, random show. And like, I really wanted to mosh. So I went in, it's, I was like moshing so hard and you know, I'm like 13 years old and I feel this person pick me up and throw me over their shoulders and carry me out of the gig. And it's my fucking dad. My fucking dad (laughs) ran into the pit, picked me up, threw me over his shoulder threw me in the car and was just screaming at me. There were such huge guys fucking moshing near you. They were going to hurt you. <laughs> so it's crazy. And then fucking, I was grounded for like weeks. Told me I was never allowed to mosh again. But like, you know, the next show I'm like, I think it was like bleeding through or something. I like look girl. I literally, my dad didn't even bring me to the show. My mom dropped me off around the corner. That was another thing too. Always dropping me off around the corner. Cause like it was like hundreds of, at that time, hundreds of people were at gigs. Maybe I was just younger and it seemed crazier, but like it was always insane. So like my mom dropped me off around the corner, go to the gig, look over my shoulder to make sure my dad's not even there. And just like, <laughs> and like PTSD from this shit. That's so funny. Well, it's like, yeah, like, like you're a cool enough 14 year old to like, you know, like drive yourself to the show or whatever. It's like, dude, draw me off around the corner. Like I got to look cool rolling up to the gig, you know? I know. My mom's like, have a fun time, sweetie. You're like, stop it. I'm being serious to portrait of a goddess right now. (laughs) Yeah. God. No, I love, I love that. And uh, honestly, I I like, uh, you know, I, I bring the introduction up just because I, I think there's this real weird conception of people that like, you know, your music, whatever music like you get into, you have to shed your skin eventually and never look back at the stuff that you enjoyed earlier and like, you know, kind of embrace it in a way. It's like, you know, I don't, your your music tastes evolve and like, you can of course add onto these layers. And of course you don't have to listen to, you know, as much of, you know, blink 182 as you did when you were 14 years old, but like, you know, Cheshire cat and dude ranch. Like those records are still unbelievable. Like amazing. Still amazing. That's one of our drummers favorite bands too. (laughs) Totally. And, and, and I I just think like, you know, when people share stories of like what you're sharing, cause it's, uh, I think it's important that it's like, you know, no one was birthed into like, Oh yes. Like, of course I like the, you know, coolest and most credible bands possible. It was like, no, I like, I liked this for a while. And then like, you know, I started to listen to other things and then, um, yeah, now, now I am this 
you know, more fully developed person as opposed to, you know, I, cause at that time too, you were just listening to the music that you enjoyed. You didn't care about like where it fit in in the scene or whatever. You were just like, Oh, this is good. Fuck. You're so right. And I feel like <laughs> that is a thing nowadays that people like are kind of weird about. I could say my friend, like my friend group or most of my friend group, I want to say, cause I really don't ask them this, but like, every single person is not afraid to just like any random type of music within hardcore, you know, like, sure. I hate when people lump themselves into like certain types of hardcore. Cause it's like, I fucking love anything. Like I, cause I was like, fuck, what kind of music in hardcore do I like? But it's like literally anything with a message, anything where people, you can tell they're passionate and they actually fucking care and anything with just energy and you can tell they're angry. Like that's what it comes down to for me. That's good. That's a really good descriptor. Cause yeah, I think that that will, that can lead you down to so many different roads of the stuff that you get into. And it's like, yeah, it's all shades of the same thing. It's like, yeah, you can like, you know, original screamo of like, you know, bands like orchid reversal of man, but then you're like, Oh yeah. I also like, you know, earth crisis, even though it's like, well, yeah, those bands don't necessarily make sense together stylistically, but it's like, yeah, it's aggressive and they're yelling. So it's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, you know, as you started to go to shows and start to kind of develop your identity, um, it, it sounds like you were, um, you know, pretty like, I, I guess, you know, engaged in a lot of different, uh, things from, you know, the sort of entrepreneurial mind that your dad was, you know, kind of fostered in you. Um, and like, you know, like you mentioned, you, you focused on school later in life and, you know, got Dean's list and stuff like that. Did you care about high school and like, what was your sort of vision for like what you were going to quote unquote do, <laughs> you know, in the future? Like my future, like, did I think about it in high school? Yeah. Yeah. Just like, you know, what, like, was there a sort of a career path that you were headed on or was it basically just like, oh yeah, I'm just kind of hanging out. No, not at all. Like it was so weird. Like looking back, like all I wanted to do was go to shows, play music, be with my friends and like, just do dumb shit. Like, I don't know. Like we didn't, I didn't really hang out. It was weird. I had like this group of friends that I grew up with that were like the, kind of turned into like the hippie slash stoner group and like they would like go to parties and they were like really cool they weren't like just like assholes but they were like i I don't know i just didn't really vibe with it and i gravitated towards all these other people that were like going to shows that didn't go to my high school and like we just all hang out and it was like anywhere from like a 16 year old like myself to like anyone that was like 24 and like we all just like hung out did dumb shit and just I don't know, like just cool shit, you know? And like, (laughs) that was where I really felt like I grew as a person, you know, just doing that not being like the normal kid, you know? And I wasn't focused in school. I did fine, but it wasn't like, you know, I was also on the swim team and crew team and I didn't really care about that. It was just kind of like doing that stuff, you know, just to be a part of something. Mm -hmm, Sure. Well, it's, uh, I, you know, this is, uh, just purely superficial, but like looking at you, it's like, yeah, you're a, you're a fit dude. Like I imagine that you, you know, you played, uh, <laughs> played a lot of sports in school and you know, you were, uh, you, uh, you were athletic. So saying that you were part of the, both of those teams, I'm like, oh yeah, that, that makes sense. But they're like the weird sports, you know, which right. I have like a strong, strong legs and strong back, which makes sense. That's mainly like crew. So you're like pushing with your legs and your back, but like, yeah. So I think that's what happened with that? Yeah. You're soft everywhere else though. No, just kidding. Yeah. Soft everywhere else. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, and so, uh, you know, as you started to go to shows and as you started to experience all this excitement, was it, um, was it pretty evident that you were like, okay, I got to play in a band and I got to figure that out like as soon as possible. 
Yeah, it was weird because it's, I played like trumpet and <laughs> that dude Ben Shaw was in percussion. So like we were always around each other. So he played drums also outside of it. And he was like, yo, you should pick up guitar. And I was like, okay. So it wasn't like, it, it was weird. We just started a band as soon as I got a guitar. Like I wasn't able to play the cool shit, but like every, I have this dumb thing where like, it's, it's like a, a flaw, but it's also a strength, I guess, maybe if I want to do something, I won't stop until I can be able to do it. So like for a whole summer, all day like it was just inside playing guitar looking up tabs looking up music and just trying to play all those songs just so i can like play with ben and we started like just random shitty bands and then did you actually play shows with any of those bands yeah we did this we did a couple bands with like played with like bane when oh, they were like please please yeah. tell please tell me the band name because i just love first band <laughs> i just love first band names because they're so like the first band name <laughs> describes the sound of the band so perfectly so pl- if you yeah. if, if you can reveal i would love to hear it all right all right i'm going so first one is called with our strength oh gosh i like classic I, classic finger you know? point, two finger point hardcore great yes yes <laughs> very good the second one was called normandy that was Ooh. more of like the first one was like a mosh band second one was like you could tell that we just found out about like mental righteous jams and all those things. Okay, sure. I back that. And then, yeah. Then the third band, that was the band where we played with like Bane. We had played some cool shows with that. We played with integrity and shit. It was crazy. Nice. And, um, we played gorilla biscuits on the return tour. Remember that tour? Of course. Yeah. yeah. So that was probably one of the coolest shows we played it. And I was like, people were diving just it was like a sea of people it was like this place in syracuse like um it was like a dance club like where my grandpa used to go dancing like oh not the the lost horizon (laughs) no no it's near there though but it's it's like a country club where like they had shows randomly so like we played there and that gb show was unreal i remember being there when i was a kid and like you could hear like Sid just warming up upstairs. Just like <laughs> so it was bad. unreal. Cause like it was the first time everyone like really saw GB again, you know? And like, and it was just crazy. And their set was unreal. We were, everyone was just diving the whole time. Like <laughs> so cool. You could dive in any way and just anyone and everyone would catch you. Um, so yeah, that band played some cool shows. Did you, did you sing and play guitar in those bands or what did you do in those bands? Um, so I played guitar in the very first one. We didn't even have a basis. I'm excited to tell you no. about not needing need hydration. Well, actually, no. Yeah, just solution good. to dehydration. Just clock out. And that yeah, happens. Second by, one. You know, working out. Second travel, one I played um, Dehydration is the worst. You get headaches. Barely. You and then uh, the third now, one. That was the third one was literally the like, season for dehydration. That was. Uh, so I started guitar. I switched over to bass, and then drip drop grew into whatever it became. Became powder that was developed by a doctor to treat dehydration. It's not some huge beverage company. It's a legit remedy for dehydration. The formula has three times the electrolytes and half the sugar of sports drinks. And it comes in a little stick that you mix with about 16 ounces of water and it works fast and it tastes incredible. So that way you pound it, you say goodbye to headaches, fatigue, and however else dehydration affects your life. What is incredible about this company is this is was, was made to help people in third world countries and developing countries battle dehydration. They have since now put it to the consumer market and you get to enjoy that dehydration battler that is called drip drop. I love this stuff. They've shipped it to me. It's incredible. 
I've used it basically every time I have worked out and I feel spectacular afterwards. Cause you know, sometimes you're just like, Oh man, I'm not, I work out, but I'm not, I'm not, I'm not feeling it. Pound this boom done. It's so, so good. So go to dripdrop.com slash words to get 20% off any purchase. That's dripdrop.com slash words. It's a great company. Go support them. Okay. Now here's the rest of our show. In a world where everyone is confined to their homes, society begins its largest bin watch to date. In the hallowed library of Hulu, or perhaps on a shelf of DVDs you haven't looked at in a decade, is a show that perfectly encapsulates life in the early aughts and launched a friendship that would inspire millions. Hi, I'm Zach Braff. And I'm Donald Faison. In 2001, we starred in Scrubs a sitcom that revealed a glimpse of what it was like to survive a medical internship. As Turk and JD, we explored guy love. Nearly 20 years later, a lot has changed. We're not supermen, but we're still best friends. Eh. Given the mandatory lockdown, there's no better time to relive the series that brought us together in the first place. And we're doing it with a podcast. That's right, people. We're going to bring friends and crew members and fellow cast members and writers. And and guess what? We're going to even invite some of you to call into the podcast and ask all the questions you want of the entire Sacred Heart staff. Join us for Fake Doctors, Real Friends on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. And like you said, like as you started to, you know, play in these bands and play out and do more of the kind of, you know, the touring lifestyle stuff, you realize that it wasn't for you. Was the, you know, what was, I guess, kind of overwhelming about that experience? I mean, <clears throat> for anybody that hasn't toured, I mean, I, I played in bands for years and toured for years. So like, I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, but what, what was it about for you that made touring hard? It wasn't what made it hard. It made it like, I just knew. So I was getting, I was turning like 24, 25 when I was in like backtrack and the end of naysayer when we were really touring a lot. Like that was when I was like, all right, I should probably figure out something where like I can make money. Cause I was so broke sure. all the time. Like I just, I don't even know where I was living. I would like live in my parents' basement until I was like 23, I think. And then like, I even felt like a piece of shit then, you know, like just staying up late. Like I would work like bar jobs and like just do security and it sucked, you know, like I felt like it wasn't really going anywhere. I was having so much fun, but I was also like, I was kind of feeling like I need to do something, you know, like I'm doing this and I feel like I've done it. And it's either like, we take off and we're going to be a real band, which hardcore bands can't do that. Or we just kind of like clock out, do something that like some type of work where you can make money, be passionate and do music on the side. And that's kind of where I was at. So I took the school route, which I don't really recommend. I think it was right for me at the time. I wouldn't ever change my past, but it's gotten me to where I am and I'm happy with where I am. I just want to make the next leap, you know? Sure. Sure. Um, yeah. Cause I, I mean, to your point, I think there, most people do run into that, um, 
you know, that issue. Of, and I mean, even, you know, what I'm referencing poison the well again, where it's like, even those, you know, when those dudes were, you know, touring and like opposite of December was popping off, it's like, you know, yeah, they were making money, but like, you know, they were just like covering rent, you know, like they were not, yeah. you know, they were not living large, um, you know, by any stretch of the imagination. They, and so I think the illusion of most of those bands, especially of that era was that they were, you know, building a future and it's like, nah, it was still, you know, yeah, they would have maybe like, you know, 70 grand in the bank account or whatever, but like, and I say for the band account, not like individuals, you know, but yeah, it's not like that was a sustainable thing. You were just like, you know, most bands have to try to strike while the iron is hot, try to make as much money as humanly possible before like, you know, their relevance fades away in some, you know, fickle way where kids are like, Oh, I don't like this record. Like, Oh wow. Our touring business is gone. And there, there, there it is. So I understand the practical nature of what you're talking about where it's like, Oh yeah. Like I I can't continually return home with like $25 in my pocket. What do I do? Yeah. Yeah. It's tough. Right. Right. And so, and it sounds like too, you were always leaning on your, um, the experience that you're talking about with your father, as far as like his hustle and, and, and desire to, you know, better himself and his family. Like, that was kind of, it seems like that was kind of rooted in you as well, where you were very practical about the fact that you couldn't continue to like live this Peter Pan lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah. That's so true. Okay. (laughs) Um, and so, I mean, I guess to that point of like, you know, trail of lies to me exists in that, uh, you know, full-time part-time band that like, like you said, you're not touring, (laughs) but you try to be as active as you possibly can. Um, and it seems like that's based off of just everybody's lifestyle and how everybody kind of like, you know, exists with their jobs and everything like that. Um, was there, was there ever a notion of kind of like, Oh, well, you know, this thing seems to be more successful than like anything we've done in the past or whatever. Um, do you want to, you know, give it a year and try it out? Or did you guys ever have discussions like that? Or is it like, yeah, we're good. Yeah. Like it was, well, in the beginning, (laughs) so it's weird. The band started in 2010, where it's just like I wrote this demo and found people in Syracuse to like play on it, and we put this like five song thing out. And it was when I was in Nasa, I was like, I want to do something heavy, so we did it, and then like didn't do anything for years. And then like 2015 or 16, our guitarist JD, he's like younger than me. He was like, Yo, we should do because tra- we want to do a band together. He was like, Yo, let's do Trail, and I was like, What? Like, how are we going to, he's just like, let's just revamp it. So like we did it and we're like writing these cool songs. We're like, yo, all you want to do is just play United Blood. Like that's our favorite festival, you know? And like, we just wanted to play that. And we got to the point where like we played United Blood and it was like, when we put out that EP, the strength through discipline thing, we were just like blown away of like the response. We had no idea people were even really going to be into it. And am I answering the question or was it like, do you thinking of like, if we were ever going to go further than what we did right now? No, no, you're, you're totally on the right track. Okay. All right. Yeah. So like, that's where we got to the point where like, all right, we played United blood. Oh shit. They like, let's, let's just keep playing more shows. So we did a bunch of shows and then like played sound and fury. And we're like, okay. And then they like asked us to play, this is hardcore. And then the next thing was like, all right, let's do, let's put out like a whole LP and see what happens. So we did that. And like, that was like when we really did, like got our aesthetic down and like everything came together and we were like, fuck it, let's go to all these places that we always wanted to go to where tr- people truly really want to see us. And everyone in the States, 
I don't know how everyone else feels about this, but I feel like we're all, all guilty of just being spoiled. So like going to Puerto Rico, going to Australia, going to Japan, going to all these crazy places that like people don't get to see bands as much. Like we just wanted to go there, you know? And like, if you're in the States and you want to see us, you go to a festival, you know, like, and that's kind of how we did it. And there was a point where like, right when we put war out, we were like, damn, should we tour? Like we were just thinking like, like it was kind of tough. Cause like I would have to quit my cushy job and like figure shit out. And it was like, uh, we weren't really sure what to do. We were like thinking about it. We had like a bunch of crazy tour offers that we were thinking about. And like looking back, I'm glad we didn't because it, I wouldn't be where I'm at right now and meet the people that I, I met right now. You know, things could sure. be different. They could be better or worse, but like, you know, I, I think we made the right decision and like, we could end up just hating each other if we toured. That's another thing that I was worried about, you know, like, you know, when you're touring with other people, you're just always on top of each other and you feel different about that person by the end of it. And I love every single person in trail, even the people that aren't in it anymore, like I feel still have feelings for them. Like they, I just didn't want to compromise our friendships, you know? And I think the band is just as special. It's, just so special to all of us and like only playing here and there like just makes us go off even more and makes it more special whenever we do play sure well i mean it to me that sounds like a very um you know adult and mature thing to look at because you know when you <laughs> honestly like when you're you know 20 years old and like you have these offers where it's just like all right you know you're gonna go out with uh you know stick to your guns is doing a tour offer or like you know terror or whatever like you get these offers and you're kind of like well maybe if we just like try this for a minute and then, you know, like you said, one of those two scenarios could play itself out and you end up not liking each other or then the shows become, you know, a routine and they don't feel special in any sense. And like you start to not look forward to it and it feels like a job like, you know, those are real things that happen to people, but then they can't get off the, you know, the, <laughs> the, the treadmill because, you know, all these other people expect them to, you know, still like playing in a band or whatever. Yeah. And that's exactly it. And, you know, if I was 22, I would have been like, fuck it. Let's go on tour with Nakboos. Let's go on tour with Tara. Let's do all these crazy tours. But like, I have things that I got to pay for. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Can't just like bail. Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. Um, but I mean, kind of on that same tip, you know, when you're, you know, booking tours and you're handling a lot of like the business of the band, you know, from getting paid and, um, you know, doing merch and all that stuff do you like the business aspect of the band or is that something that you're just doing because, you know, you, um, you know, because you're the singer of the band and people assume the singer of the band is like handling all that stuff. <laughs> I wouldn't say I like it. I actually don't <laughs> say no a lot. I fucking hate doing it. Cause this is another business that I have to worry about. Like I have so many other little hustles that I do where I just need to figure out one thing and do it. But like, it's the only thing I do like it about it is, you know, we, it covers everything we have to do. Like I do it in a way where I'm kind of like, I do need to chill a lot. I'm pretty like uptight about money and shit like that and making the band successful to pay for those things because you know, it's not fucking easy paying 1600 for a flight round trip flight to Europe to play shows for four days, you know? So like, <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. That's why like our merch is so calculated. Everything like, People are like, oh, y'all, y'all print so much merch and focus so much on it. Like, okay, bitch, like, we're like fucking making money to be able to go play shows to see you, you know? Like, that's why, like, some hardcore kids fucking drive me nuts, man. Like, talking shit is just insane. Like, they don't, 
they're so young and they just don't understand. So like they'll understand when they're older, but like, God damn, like, how do you think bands are able to do things anymore? Right. Well, so do you, I mean, I guess this is a good, good enough time as ever to kind of go back to, you know, what you were saying, I was going to put a pin in of just like the, um, you know, I guess they like the appreciation or, or people who, you know, act like they're into hardcore, but you know, aren't really and that sort of stuff. So like, I, I guess, do you know, like people legitimately like complain to you that like, you know, Oh, trail of lies, like, you know, just like is a, you know, I mean, yes, you are just a fest band because like you said, you're not touring, but like, you know, those afford you the opportunities to be able to, you know, make enough money to cover your plane flights and stuff like that. But you, you, you see kind of like criticism towards you guys and people being like, Oh, you know, this is kind of just a, a band that, you know, isn't into it for the right reasons or whatever. Yeah. I mean, I know I've, I've seen and heard people talk some mess and it doesn't really matter because I know we're one of the most, it's crazy. Cause like it just doesn't get it it doesn't matter to us like because we know we're a real band and like there's so much passion in this band that like it doesn't even phase us because we're just like all right like you just don't get it you know oh yeah no for sure i mean you guys know what your own interests are so like you you know you, you know your own motive so you don't need to you know look for outsiders to you know validate that and stuff um but the uh i mean i guess kind of maybe what you were talking about at the very beginning the kind of um I guess fair weatherness that happens within the hardcore scene as far as like, you know, I mean, y- you've seen it just as much as I've seen it where it's like a band is cool for, you know, maybe a record. And then all of a sudden it's like discarded because, you know, for really arbitrary reasons, whether it's like, Oh yeah, they're not as cool as like this younger band or whatever. And like, yes, there's an argument that youth culture will always be, um, you know, recyclable, <laughs> like bands will always churn over. Um, yes, yes. You, I'm standing up. I'm so excited to talk about this. Yeah, please, please do. So like, do you, you obviously are, are very passionate about the fact that, you know, people should, um, I guess kind of maybe pay attention a little bit longer than they should, or where's your head at? No, I don't even care. I think that people should like what they like. And like the thing that I've noticed, the real heads will always ride for that band, regardless of if they're a hype band or not. Like, um, I've noticed it with trail and in the beginning it was like crazy. And we were like a hype band. People were calling us a hype band. And it was like, it's nice. You know, people are like, you know, sucking dick for like being a cool band and whatever, but you put out more music, you, you kind of fall out of the spotlight and it's great. It's fucking great because then all the real heads stick around and you, there's people that are so into trail of lies and people are like message us and like talk to us and just pull us aside and be like, your band means so fucking much to me. And that means so much more than like some crazy fest where it's like a bunch of people singing along that like won't be around in five years, you know, like it sounds so younger. Me would have really wanted to be the hype band and kind of be like, butthurt about it. But like, it's so nice and just comforting having that real substance, you know? And I'm sure bands like terror and TUI, like those bigger bands that have been around for a minute, just really, they recognize that stuff. And I feel like the people have been around, they just really know that like bands become hype and then they just kind of fall off. And it's like, you just, it's fine. It really is because you're still doing your thing. You're putting out good music and you're still just as passionate and you might even be more passionate. That's what it's like. Travelize has become even more passionate of a band. And like, we're also shifting our message than what we've started in the beginning. And those real heads that like really appreciate us, like, it means so much. Like when we put out fearless last week, there were people messaging me that like, if fucking just saying how much the lyrics of like other records 
does that song mean to them? And like it, it gets me so fucking emotional because that song means so much to me, you know, like, cause I'm going through something in my life right now and where it's a big change and like, that's real shit. And like other people can recognize that real shit. And this, this band's is real and it's not like a hype band to us. Yeah. Well, I think to your point, I mean, I completely agree with you. And I think that because like realistically for all intent and purposes, like trail of lies doesn't need to exist. Like you guys make it fit into your lifestyle and your life because it's important to you. You know, you could clearly not play in a band right now. Like Mm -hmm. all of you guys could. Um, I mean, obviously the desire would still be there, but like, because it's an intentional choice that you guys are, you know, deciding to, you know, play these shows and, you know, make an effort, um, to, to fit it in everybody's schedule by, in essence, it makes it more important than just like, you know, a person with an unlimited, time frame of just like, Oh yeah, we're just hanging out. You know, I guess we'll play in a band or whatever. And like, I guess we'll do this. Like every minute you spend on it is something that, um, is a deliberate choice as opposed to just wasting time on it or whatever. Yeah. That's yeah. so right. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, it's cool. And I, and I think that's what can hit people of so many different ages where it's like, yeah, you can hit people, you know, like myself who are, cause I, I view hardcore as like generational. When I say generational, I mean like every four years it kind of regenerates where it's like, you know, it's, it's kind of like high school, you know, it's like the, the seniors look at the freshmen. They're just like, ah, these little dumb dumbs, like, you know, look at what they're doing. And then, you know, the seniors move on and go to different things. And then the freshmen grow a little bit older and then they become seniors. And so generationally speaking, you know, your band can appeal to a person like me who's, you know, two, uh, two class cycles ahead of you or whatever. And then it can also appeal to, you know, people who are, 17 years old and people kind of get it from both ends of the spectrum of like, you know, the hype side of things. And then also just like, Oh yeah, I really gravitate towards the aesthetics and just the aggression or the message or whatever, you know? Yeah. Well now I feel like I'm the guy in college that just never graduates and stays in. <laughs> yeah, you're like uh, Matthew McConaughey in days and confused or whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm just still here. Still going to shows. Hey dude, you take, you, you take your shirt off on stage. So that, that could very well be <laughs> accurate. <laughs> Um, and so you know i mean you've you've mentioned it more than once when you're saying you're going through a lot now and a lot of changes like are you speaking about that more from the just like you're trying to figure out what you want to do for your job and your life and stuff like that or is it like you know there are other things that are going on um there's a lot like oh i can expand on that a lot basically the first thing, what it all really comes down to is like what I want to do with my life. And right now where I'm at is just not where I want to be. I've recognized it and it's fine. It's been fine the past three years, but it's like working as a corporate job is just something I don't want to do. So right now I'm trying to, I've been trying to figure out what I want to do the past year. I've been like hitting up people to become like a TM or like just like a band crew kind of guy to go on tour and just travel. Cause I know I love that. And then I would hit up people to be like, all right, I want to move to Australia. Like I try to, trying to figure out what I want to do. So I'm still trying to figure that out. And like all I do, <laughs> I wake up at five in the morning, apply to jobs for fucking four hours, go to my job, work for however many hours it takes to get the job done and then get home, go to the gym and just apply for more jobs. And basically just going through that, but also, another switch in my life is like I've been trying to just become more relaxed and just focus on things that I might've been suppressing the past couple of years. Maybe just my whole life is like 
kind of just working on just truly being happy with where I'm at, you know, and being grateful for what I have. And just like a lot of things like that, you know, where, um, so the, you talking about just like the, the desire to kind of like relax, is it more of the fact that you feel like you are just like a really high strung individual and you're trying to scale that back? Or is it one of those things where you're just trying to, um, I guess kind of pay attention to like what's happening around you more like the, you know, whatever the metaphor of, you know, stop and smell the roses, that sort of stuff. I'm so fucking high strung. Okay. I'm all, I'm just, it's, it's insane. And like, I can even like, when I walk in the room, like with my band, I can just feel him just like, fuck, what is he going to go off on now? And like, it's, it's so sad. It's like funny, but it's also fucked up. Like I know people feel that with me. Cause I'm like, I'm so OCD with certain things about being successful and whatever. And that's what I'm trying to just relax and let go with, you know, like not trying to just, be perfect with everything that I do. Just kind of being like, just more like a fuck it, you know? And like (laughs) my girlfriend even says it to me. She's honestly, that woman has been helping me so much. Like just helping me relax and chill and just like have a meditation, just fucking chilling and just not freaking out. Cause like, you know, it like it creates this anxiety and this like fucking stress that I have that I create out of nothing. So like, you know, obviously I can't just go and smoke weed and, uh, it's not like I can't, I just, if I did drugs like that, I would just like go off and use that as a band aid. But like, so what I've been trying to do is really find the core root, just everything of like why I'm so high strung and then just relax and just try to be more at peace with everything. Yeah. Doing a lot of uh, self auditing and self reflection. Yeah, exactly. And it's been a, it's been an interesting year. I've made a lot of switches and, uh, it's, it's coming along. Like I can already notice like people, you know, I'm also opening up a lot about things that I just kind of keep in and that makes me high strung. But like doing that is, you know, helping me chill a little bit, you know? And like also this job that I have is so intense and also i have like rental properties i have to do and i have like this other side hustle and then i have trail and then trying to maintain a life like it makes just makes me high strong you know sure sure yeah well it's i mean i think a lot of what comes with it you know age is you start to um yeah just i mean things become more important to you as you get older you know once you realize like oh yeah the clock really is ticking it's not just like (laughs) Yeah, I'm not just, you know, trying to figure out what I'm going to do on a Saturday night or whatever. Um, and so, yeah. yeah, then you start to, yeah. I haven't even thought about that though. I feel like I'm going to live till 90. Sure. Yeah, no, I, <laughs> I, which is, which is good. I mean, that's, I think most people's target is like, yeah, I want to, you know, I want to live that, that full life. Um, yeah. but, uh, yeah, it, it's, it, I understand what you're talking about. Like being able to have the perspective to look at yourself and realize like, okay, I am these, I am this way, but how, how do I try to, you know, uh, <laughs> not eliminate that. Cause that's always going to be who you are, but be mm-hmm. able to like temper it a little bit, you know, be like, calm down yeah. just, just a little bit. Yeah. Like it's, it's a good thing and a bad thing, you know, like me being high, strong makes made it helped make trail successful, but it also like, you know, probably had some downfalls to, to it maybe i can't put my finger on it but i think i just want to control that and turn it off when it needs just really turn off the being high strung thing in general you know yeah totally i get what you're saying um 
the uh, the last thing I want to hit on was the um, it, we kind of briefly talked about it up top where. And this is something I've, I've witnessed, you know, over many years of just kind of paying attention to, you know, I, for lack of a better term, like traditional old school hardcore, you know, and like, you know, I would put, you know, everybody from, you know, Youth of the Day, Gorilla Biscuits to, you know, Trail of Lies and, you know, I mean, Knock Loose, you could obviously argue is metalcore or whatever, but anyways, but like traditional sort of like, you know, half heart, that sort of stuff. No one, no one pays attention to it really in the sense of, um, you know, there are kids that like it and obviously shows get large and people care about it, but like it doesn't get documented in very many places, you know, like whether it's like, you know, press coverage or other places that, that kind of pay attention to youth culture. Um, you know, it's like, you don't see straight edge being covered as much as it, you know, once was. And of course it's all cyclical, but like, do you kind of notice that with, with hardcore as well that, you know, just always kind of was like, Oh yeah, it exists. It's there. But like, you know, that's, that's fine. I think it's more of just like what people don't want to like, whatever people see as like crazy or like doesn't fit into their norm of their life. They're just like, they don't, they just want to ignore it or they just think it's crazy. You know, I think that might be why they don't want to cover it. Do you just think it's not interesting enough? I, that no, that's a uh, maybe yeah just because that like it's like i guess that stuff has been you know whatever punk as a genre you know has been well documented since the late 70s so i think that you know even though you know this this is kind of outside of that purview it's like you know c- clearly there's a lineage that you can draw a line from sex pistols to you know trail of lies like that can happen <laughs> like that you know you can yeah. do that but you know yeah maybe it's just because you know whatever you know, I mean, trail of lies like you know you guys can get up there and you know you look like you know your average dudes and like just doing a thing or whatever and so like there isn't um i guess a you know story to be had there even though you know they're, they're i mean in my opinion there is and that's obviously why we're having this conversation but yeah i yeah i don't know i wonder if maybe there's there's so many the thing is too i feel like it's awesome that so many subcultures exist and i think that might be why like there's just so many so many more people that are expressing themselves and so many different subcultures now of people that are just exposed, you know, just doing different things. Like there's sneaker culture. There's, I found out about a guy in Syracuse that collects pinball machines the other day. Like there's just so many other little things that people that just had these crazy hobbies and maybe they're just kind of put in hardcore on the wayside, I guess. Yeah, sure. Sure. Which is fine. I I don't ever want that shit in the mainstream. I guess. So God, I, I get so annoyed when I see like hardcore being exploited as like some cool thing. Like I swear to God, if I see like some like famous rapper wearing like a EC shirt or like a, I don't know. I hate that shit. Well, yeah, like I, it's cool to like, like fashion and streetwear and shit. But like I hardcore to me, hardcore is like, we're all fucked up. We're all here for a reason. We're all like, I gravitated up towards it cause I was so angry and just fucking pissed off. And like, I wanted to keep it like that. I don't ever want it to be like the cool thing or like, you, you can always just tell people that are truly into it. You know, the two people that are truly weird and just fucked up, but it's just there, you know? And that's, that's why everyone trails there. Right. <laughs> well, I mean, that's, it's an interesting point. Cause I think that, I mean, there's only so much that, uh, you know, a scene can do to keep itself insulated, you know? Cause like, obviously it splinters off where it's like, you know, I mean, I, I think about this band, you know, probably more than I should, but like, like rise against as an example, like, you know, clearly punk and hardcore kids that have come from the Chicago scene, you know, are, are straight edge, like, you know, are very politically active and engaged, but then like they play to a bunch of people who, um, you know, might not even 
register the fact that they are speaking directly against like whatever political beliefs they may have, you know, if it's like, if they're like a, you know, a Trump Republican or whatever and going, they're just like, Oh yeah, just like swing life away or whatever. <laughs> like, yeah, th- there, there's only so much that you can do with that. Um, but I, I do, I agree with you on the idea that like the, the subculture will automatically just kind of like weed the people out that are, are just, you know, are tourists. They're just passing through, you know? Um, because like, yeah. it, it, especially at, like, to your point of what you're saying with trail of lies, like it's a deliberate choice that you guys are a band. And like, as you, you know, get older, it's a deliberate choice for you to like still engage and go to shows and like pay attention to new bands and stuff. Cause like, you know, you don't need to at a certain point, like <laughs> you can like, yeah, clearly be exactly. like, Oh yeah, I'm done. I don't need to pay attention to new stuff anymore or whatever. Yeah. And I hate when people do that. Not hate it, but it's just like, I don't know. I'm always looking for new music. Sure. Yeah. But you're just looking for new hip hop. You're not looking for new hardcore. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. New Freddie Gibbs dropped today. Well, the single. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There you go, man. There you go. Um, well, Tom, I really appreciate you hanging out with me. This is uh, this was super fun. I hope you enjoyed it. Fuck yeah. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. It was cool. Okay. Thank you very much, Tom. I really appreciate you hanging out. And um, yeah, it was just nice. It was like, you know, two friends kind of chatting on the phone. And I like that feeling when we get into that sort of rhythm, um, just because, you know, then maybe the uh, opinions are are less filtered and uh, still calculated, but, um, you know, just kind of, kind of visceral in a way. So I appreciated that, Tom. And uh, next week is, uh, we are nearing the seventh anniversary of the show, and I can't wait to tell you who's on that episode. But next week is a actually return guest, and this was uh, brought up via a a friend who was like, hey, uh, I'm putting out some of uh, his solo stuff uh, overseas. You should probably talk to him again. And I'm like, oh, yeah, maybe that was like a couple years ago. Uh, It turned out to be like six years ago. (laughs) So Nathan Gray from Boy Sets Fire came on the show, and we had just just a spectacular chat. So... That's what we have next week. And until then, please be safe, everybody. Remember, shout out to Drip Drop, which is an electrolyte powder developed by a doctor to treat dehydration. It's got three times the electrolytes and half the sugar of sports drinks, and it works super fast. Just mix it in about 16 ounces of water, and boom, you're done. Do it before like a run or a workout. It's the best. So go to dripdrop.com words to get 20% off any purchase. That's dripdrop.com slash words. Try it. It's the best. You've been listening to the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Jabberjawmedia.com. Hi, I'm Esther Dean. I've made my life by writing songs like Fireworks by Katy Perry, Super Bass by Nicki Minaj, What's My Name by Rihanna, just to name a few. And now I'm having an absolute blast sharing some of the knowledge that I've learned with upcoming songwriters on Songland on NBC. I'm excited to welcome you to a brand new season of Songland and Songland's podcast, giving you new insight into the magical art of songwriting as told by some of the best in the business and also the pioneers and the up-and-comers who will be shaping the hits you'll be listening to for years. We have an amazing roster of talent this season. I promise you, you don't want to miss one single episode. Don't miss Songland, Monday nights at 10, 9 central, and join us here on Songland's podcast. 
available every week after the show on the iHeart app or wherever you get your podcasts. 